Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His kingdom. What's up, guys? You're all awesome, and I love you. And uh, I'll say a few things. I'll be faster than I was planning on, um, and then we can all go home or to parties and watch people. Oh, here? Free party here at 3 p.m.? Super Bowl party here? Everyone's welcome here at 3 p.m. There's also another one, I think. Um, you, they can talk to you if they want to know the details. If they're like, hey, that sounds great, I'm going to talk to Troy. Um, okay, uh, I'm just going to read my text and um, say some stuff, and then you can process it on your own time uh, in between commercial breaks if you, are not a, if you are about as interested in football as I am, or uh, later if you are into it. <clears throat> okay, uh, this is Matthew chapter 15, verse 1 through 20. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands before they eat. He answered them, He is Jesus. Uh, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. But you say that whoever tells father or mother, whatever support you might have had for me is given to God, then that person need not honor the father. So for, your sake, for the sake of your tradition, you make void the word of God. You hypocrites, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. Then he called the crowd to him and said to them, listen and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind, and if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. And Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. Then he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? Through pooping. <clears throat> but what, <laughs> what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. Hopefully that doesn't apply to what I just said. For out of the heart came, come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. So at the beginning of this passage, the scribes and the Pharisees come to Jesus, and we've encountered these people if we spend time in the Gospels. Um, the scribes uh, are the people who... Uh, read and write ancient, uh, well, they read and write the, the scriptural text and other writings. Uh, most, the vast majority of people in this world don't know how to read or write, and so the scribes are the educated elite. They're the ones who deal with texts. As a result, they're also among the few who have access to the scriptures directly because they can read. Um, and so they are the 
the, uh, sort of the experts in the Torah because they're the ones who are able to encounter it in, a, in an extra special way and who are supposed to be extra knowledgeable. So scribe is a job description. Pharisees are a sect of Judaism that uh, <clears throat> promotes a certain set of traditions about how to be obedient to the Torah. So from uh, long, long ago, people realized that the commandments of God don't cover every detail of life. This is not a new thing where we need to interpret what these ancient writings say. From, from very long ago, people realized, okay, new circumstances, new questions. That means there's some work that needs to be done to decide how the word of God applies and what it means to be faithful to God's commandments in our circumstances. And so uh, people would, would develop traditions about, you know, how do you honor the Sabbath? How do you honor your father and mother specifically? Because there were questions that the scriptures didn't directly address. And so a collection of traditions about how to obey the Torah properly is called a halakha, and different groups promoted different halakhas, and the uh, Pharisees had one particular uh, such set of traditions that they promoted. So when they talk about the tradition of the elders, that's what they're talking about. They're known for this set of guidelines about how to be faithful to God's commandments. And the reason they do this, I think we, we tend to paint this very demonic picture of the Pharisees, but the reason they do this is because they don't want Israel to go into exile again. Israel was unfaithful to God's commands, unfaithful to God's covenant. They went into exile. They, uh, it sucked. People died. People suffered. They didn't want that to happen again once they were restored to the land. And so, well, we need to make sure people are clear, very clear, on what it means to follow these commands. That's not a bad idea in a sense. It sounds well-intentioned. It has value. Promoting, I, I do not believe commandments are a bad thing. I think that Christians somehow get that into their heads sometimes. But uh, if God gives us an instruction, it's a good instruction. So I think it is, we shouldn't be command-phobic. But apparently, the way that the Pharisees are promoting faithfulness to God's commands is problematic and they get some rather harsh critique here. So, uh, so Pharisee is like a, maybe a denomination, like a Methodist or something, uh, or a political affiliation like a Democrat, okay? So uh, a scribe would also probably be a Pharisee, maybe. One is a job, one is a, a party, if you will. Um, so the particular issue that comes up is that uh, there was a tradition around washing your hands ceremonially before meals. If you hang out around any Jewish communities today, I, think, I don't know if it's true of every community, but this is a common thing that's still done. They have a, a hand-washing ceremony before a meal. Uh, this is a social convention. Jesus and his followers apparently aren't doing it. It doesn't say why, and I think that's beside the point. But what they're doing is by not washing their hands, they're violating a sort of social boundary that's there. So similarly, if I come over to your house for dinner and you have a nice living room and a nice coffee table and I put my shoes up on your coffee table, uh, my, my shoes might not be especially dirty. It might not actually hurt the coffee table, but it feels wrong. Uh, at least I don't know if all of you feel that way, but to some people anyways, that's going to feel like, wait, that's not what you do. Uh, but there's a little bit of more of a religious spin on this, and so it's that, but we do this because we're the holy people of God, okay? So a convention is not being followed, and they ask him about it. And um, Jesus answers in a less than 
uh, super sensitive way and says, okay, he doesn't, you know, oh, well, we don't do this because, you know, X, Y, and Z. He says, well, why do you elevate your traditions above the word of God? Why do you uh, raise your traditions above the commandments? What happens, he refers to another tradition that uh, apparently the Pharisees uh, promoted, and we don't know, we don't have great documentation historically on what exactly the tradition was, but it would appear the basic idea seems to be a person can dedicate their possessions to the temple, and then when they die, their possessions, instead of being transferred to their family, are transferred to the temple. And um, I don't know if the idea here is that mother and father are being neglected with respect to inheritance, or if it affects how you uh, would help out your mom and dad in your lifetime, I'm not sure. But the idea seems to be that this tradition means someone is not taking care of their parents, which is important in the eyes of God. And so Jesus says, you are not doing what God says, not looking after uh, people in need that you have a responsibility for, in order that you can do this other thing, which looks rather holy. And frankly, giving stuff to support the temple is important. In the scriptures, it's very important that God's temple not be neglected. It sounds like a good idea. But somehow this has gotten in the way of being faithful to God's commands. Then Jesus moves on to say that, uh, he says this thing where it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Um, and so, you know, I guess the idea is if you wash your hands, you're cleansing dirt away, at least symbolically. And he's saying, yeah, that's not the priority. What The priority is the heart. The priority is what's going on at the core of us, how we are... Uh, oriented towards God in the depths of who we are. This is what is a priority, and our words and our actions tell us things about our heart. It's not heart rather than deeds. It's your deeds and your words reflect your heart. <clears throat> and so the priority, I think a lot of the time, things that are uh, holy looking are good things, but there's always the risk that, that doing the holy-looking thing becomes about doing the holy-looking thing rather than the heart from which we are doing the holy-looking thing. And so uh, coming to church every week, brilliant worship leading, amazing knowledge of Scripture, and fantastic, um, insightful, biblically-based preaching, uh, awesome you know, prayer ministry and laying hands on people and people getting healed. Uh, being a fervent prayer person, giving lots of money to the church and giving lots of money to the poor, all good things that I encourage. Uh, but it's all stuff it's possible to do for the wrong reasons. It's all stuff it's possible to do with the wrong heart. And God is first and foremost interested in our heart. And if we are doing these things, um, they may be impressive to people, but if we're doing them from a heart that is corrupt, that is uh, not in a place of holiness and properly oriented towards God, that's God's concern, not the holy-looking thing that we might be doing. Uh, in typical Christian culture, at least the Christian culture that I'm most familiar with, I'll sometimes hear people say, oh, I know so-and-so's heart. And usually the idea is I understand that they meant well even though the thing they did didn't turn out that well or hurt me or something. I know their heart. They meant well. Um, and that may, there's a truth that, that we can convey that way, but... Uh, when Scripture talks about God knowing our hearts, it is a very different thing. What it's saying is God sees past our impressive actions. God sees past the ways we present ourselves to the world. God knows 
what's going on in the depths of us, and usually <laughs> God knows what's really going on in the depths of us, which is not always so flattering and is not fooled by the things that might fool the people around us. I definitely feel like, I don't know how you guys see me, but I feel like I can come across relatively holy, and I don't feel like my heart matches that. I'm, a lot, I'm, I'm very aware that my heart has some real issues that uh, not everyone is, some of you, you know, we talk, but um, the heart is what God is really into. Um, so on the one hand, there's how tradition can be potentially wrongly used or used with the wrong heart. And then there's the, uh, just the, the sense of how our heart is oriented towards God and how holy-looking things can be counterproductive if the heart is not in the right place. Uh, an example I've experienced of this, um, and most folks who have been to seminary or studied theology in some formal way will tell you this. Um, it becomes, if you're, if you're accustomed to, if you, the more you learn about church tradition, the more you learn about theology and the Bible, and the more you get used to evaluating ideas about these things, the harder it is to listen to a sermon. Because you always notice all the things that you disagree with, or all the things that, like, oh, that's not true. Or, oh, they, they didn't do a good job with that. I would have done that so much better. Uh, this is very common. I, I, it's not just me. But when I was in seminary, you can ask my wife, there was a period of time when every time we went to church on the way home, I would complain all the way home about everything that was wrong with the sermon. And not in like a, oh, I really hope that they, you know, repent. And so it's like very critical and mean and unchristlike. Uh, this was a thing. It's a thing that I, I know a lot of people experience. You can, you can develop a smugness. Uh, going to seminary, learning ministry skills, learning the Bible, making that a focus appears pretty holy. It's meant to be a holy endeavor. It should be. But oftentimes it makes, it exposes stuff that's going on in our heart. Um, it gives us tools to express our uh, heart, which is not oriented rightly. And we can become critical and judgmental. And uh, church becomes more about being grumpy than uh, about worship. So that's one place where uh, my heart revealed that what I was doing, the, the things that, uh, I don't know, I'm always reluctant to say religious things, but the, the holy-looking things I'm doing, uh, actually, you know, my heart was exposed, and it was not so holy. And I, I feel like I've grown away from that a lot, but pray for me, you know, it's still an issue. Um, <clears throat> And then there's this uh, whole thing about what we do with tradition. So uh, I think tradition is inevitable. I've talked about tradition here before. We're going to have tradition. We're going to have habits and practices and consistency to how we devote ourselves to God as individuals and as a community. That's going to happen. Uh, Christianity is a tradition that we've received that's fundamental to what it is. Tradition in and of itself I don't think is a bad thing, but it is a dangerous thing because there's always the possibility that we would elevate our tradition above what God is really interested in, how God really calls us to be. Uh, you know, we, we like to talk about the five-step prayer model in this community. Uh, that's great. We like the five-step prayer model. I think it's helpful and a good thing. Uh, if we were, though, to get to a place where we were so committed to the five-step prayer model that we, you know, someone prays for someone else, and it's awesome, and God does something, and then some of us are standing around going, skip step three, 
Bad prayer. Gonna have to, Troy's saying, I'm going to have to give them a talking to later. They didn't do it right. I, this is not that implausible. This happens. This kind of thing, especially, we tend to associate this with the high liturgy traditions, but I see this in charismatic traditions. I see this when, when people are doing healing prayer. You can get really uh, nitpicky about how you're supposed to pray for people for healing or whatever. It's, it's a risk for any of us, and we have to keep an eye on ourselves and um, seek the Lord and try to make sure we're not elevating traditions above God's word and God's commands. One other place where I think if it's kind of a newish tradition, but it's a tradition that I want to kind of call out a little bit, um, where it's not, again, not that the tradition is bad, but it has the potential to be used with the wrong heart. Um, and that's when I hear a lot of people talk about boundaries. I think that this idea of having good boundaries in your life has value. There is an importance to it. Some people, especially I know, uh, tend to want to be everything to everyone or overextend themselves or um, are just so concerned about making everyone happy that it, that it leads to unhealthy behavior. Okay, so boundaries are needed there. There are ways in which it works rightly. I think, though, and you can decide what you think about it and you can decide what you think about it with respect to your own maybe use of this idea. I think most of the time when I hear Christians talk about boundaries, it's an excuse to not be like Jesus. It's an excuse to not let community cost us something. Not to say that the whole thing is bad, but I think that we can use it in place of living sacrificially for one another, which is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So I'm not trying to look at any one person. I don't know who's doing this with the right heart and who's not. For some of us, that may be something to pray on and ask the Lord, is my heart right in how I've done this? Am I doing this in a healthy way or am I doing this in a way where I'm trying to put walls up around myself and protect myself in ways that you aren't down with. So, since we're kind of further along in time than uh, intended, we're not going to wrap up quite the way I planned. Um, I think I want to... What do I want to do? Brady, are you down with playing us a couple little, uh, little notes? to facilitate setting ourselves before the Lord. We're just going to take like two minutes, only two minutes. And I want you to ask two questions in the presence of God. And uh, there they are. You can ask yourself, what do my words and deeds say about my heart? Am I talking? I didn't really even get into that that much. But what do, how do I talk about people? What, what, how, how do my words reveal my heart? And am I okay with that? How do my deeds reveal my heart? And then are there teachings or priorities, or um, whatever it is that's a tradition of sorts that we've adopted, are there things that I allow to interfere with my faithfulness to God? And we may not know that. We may need God to put his finger on certain things. But just let that be. We're going to take just a couple of minutes. Let that be there. And then um, if you will need to start tearing down and stuff, but I'm happy to pray for some people if some people want to respond in prayer. If you know someone that you want to pray with, you can do that. Um, or if it's something you want to take with you and contemplate for a few days and then maybe act on uh, a little ways out, that, that's fine with me too. So yeah, let's just uh, go before God and just honestly, one other thing I should say. Uh, if God is pointing out somewhere where our heart is not as aligned with him as it could be, that may feel uncomfortable or bad, but 
that means there's an opportunity to come more in alignment with God, and that's always going to be good. Uh, it is God's grace that, that allows us to line up with him. And so uh, I hope we can come into this eagerly, not like, oh, this is one of those sermons where Bill made us feel bad, you know. God, where, where can I line up more with you? That's, that's what we're doing today. Where can I line up more with you? How do you want to work in me so I can be more lined up with Jesus Christ, which will be good for me?